Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcasts Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999, throwing marshmallows from the balcony of a church here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iscove. And with us today is writer extraordinaire Latoya Ferguson. Thank you so much for joining us, Latoya, you lunatic. (laughs) As, As I was saying before we were recording... I don't know how I tricked myself into doing this. I feel like Phil, like, you gave me a bait and sweet switch. Because I was oh, like, That's you know, the move. 
That's what we do to first timers. I, I was like, I could obviously talk Buffy and Angel, and I love talking Dawson's Creek. And I'm like, Strangely could probably talk a lot about, you know, the other sister. And then he swept it and it's like, yep. yes, the other sister. Because Latoya. Well, you're have, you're you're I've a madman, Phil. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've given the list of available movies to many, many guests, right? As I try to figure out who wants to come on for what. And no one has <laughs> taken the bait on the other sister <laughs> so i was just like i got one i got one on the hook i gotta, <laughs> just gotta do it he admits yeah it. yes he admits it i know i like he's like in my defense she's completely right i totally debate <laughs> with her i don't have to tell you um well it's it's i you're so brave for doing this uh for those who don't know the other sister is a incredibly uh upsetting problematic Problematic. movie (laughs) that um phil and i have had kind of circled in uh you know like like big bold red like uh sharpie since the beginning of this podcast as like a stay away stay away stay away we have no choice we have to do every movie that's this podcast so we knew we were going to do it at some point we 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 figured we'd have to trick someone, and uh, lo and behold, here you are. It's two so, hours and ten minutes. I know. It's so long. It's it's, so, it's, it's interminable. It's cruel. It's Can a cruel I, I'll movie. I'll just say this though before before um, Latoya, before you showed up, Kenny and I were talking a little bit about this, and and I said that you know we've had sort of a, a small handful of movies that we've been quite frankly scared of doing, right? Like movies that were just like, I don't know how do we co- you know how do we cover this. And all of those movies that we've done have actually turned out to be relatively harmless in the greater scheme of things. This is the first one and probably the last one where it's as awful and exactly what I feared it would be. Like, it's just, it's, I I was sitting in front of my television yesterday watching it, just being like, was this movie made in another universe? Like, was it made at just, it it truly feels like it was made uh, somewhere else. Well, obviously, it wasn't made in another universe because two years later, Sean Penn got an Academy Award nomination for "I Am Sam." It's true. It's true. That's that. that was, it's it's, sadly, it's very much in universe in the yes. in this universe, Earth One. But right. the, the other movie I was very afraid of, and I mean, not to draw comparisons, but was Julian yep. Donkey Boy. Um, and Julian Donkey Boy deals with the intellectually disabled man as well, and it's it's the, it's so much more. It's so much more respectful. It is yeah. so much more, you it's know, very heartfelt, of, it's heartfelt, very genuine, yeah. and 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 it's not. It's 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 harrowing, but in a way that's not uh, laughing at or pointing at. Or it's this is um, this is really kind of exhibit A uh, for for how terrible studios are with um, sensitive topics, almost uniformly. I also feel like you know. And I, I texted this to you, Kenny, as I was watching it. But like, you know, the, the road to hell is paved with the best of intentions. And and I do think that this movie is trying to be a kind, sweet, romantic film, but handles the subject matter so poorly. And and part of it is just because, like, if you look at Gary Marshall's career as a as a filmmaker maybe most specifically like he does kind of go at sort of subjects that he thinks are taboo i guess or something to that effect i mean there's that what's the name of that movie the snm comedy that he did with dana delaney something eden exit eden Eden with rose not used to be i think it was exit eden with rosie o'donnell and yeah yeah that was a weird movie 
He's made a lot of weird movies. He at a certain point he just stopped and just made Mother's Day and New Year's Eve and I don't know other movies about a group of people and a holiday. But it's just it's interesting to watch this and think that he. I believe everyone had the best of intentions making this film, and yet it just goes to show that, to Kenny's point, these studios that don't know how to handle this nuanced type of situation. It's just like literally watching it. It seems like Gary Marshall was trying to make a Nancy Myers movie, but with a twist. And I just, I think I was immediately happy that Nancy Myers did not try to touch this movie. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also felt like, and I don't know if you guys felt this. I'm sure, I'm sure you did. I, I hated this family. Like I, I maybe specifically the pair, like they are the, the, the whitest Republican, like at one point they even th- they very throw shade weird. at Democrats. Yeah, like, I'm just like, what the fuck is this family? They don't like gay people, but I mean, all of it. I was just like, what is this? Well, if you read like a certain description when I was Googling, it's like, you know, her overbearing mother and her patient yeah, father. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Her patient father, who's like a huge alcoholic, as we see, and he's not yeah. like, he's just yeah. sober. <laughs> That's what it yeah. is. He's yeah. he's not patient because he was pretty terrible. And yet we spend the rest of the movie and be like, he's the cool one, right? No, he just doesn't seem to care, really. Um, but also with this family, as I slowly realized, the more, you know, as they let us know that Sarah Paulson's character was a lesbian. First sure. you see that, that woman's back and you're like, oh. <laughs> I realized like, the better movie is if the other sister is the lesbian sister. That's the better, more subversive movie. <laughs> then I realized it's also just um, Happiest Season, which yes, came out yes, last year. Yes. Well, and I was thinking like Family Stone is another family that feels a little bit akin mm-hmm. to this family. Obviously much better and nicer and more interesting, but still. I mean, I think they're all just terrible families. I am not the biggest Family Stone uh, fan. Happy season. Think, <laughs> I think the, uh, Family Stone weaponizes Rachel McAdams looking the hottest she's ever looked. Uh, totally it's, agree. it's an attack mm-hmm. on me. It's an attack on anyone who's thinking Sarah Jessica Parker's character is just trying to get by. Why are they so terrible to that woman? Yeah. yeah. I uh, right, So, I mean, I have so many issues with this movie, but let's start with the, the title. Um, yes. Yes. The 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 other sister is a really weird title for this film because uh, it's it's not in the point of view of this movie. The point of view of this movie, you know, could generously be read as from Juliet Lewis's point of view, but it really is from Diane Keaton's point of view, mm-hmm. who would never uh, refer to her daughters as sisters. Um, so that the, so so to, to start out, it's all screwed up there, right? So I don't know. The the what it does, and I'm trying to be I'm trying to be like kind of trying to be very specific about this. It puts the audience in a weird position where we're the ones who are expected to otherize this person, right? We're the ones who look at this family and are expected to be well. There's that one, that one, and then the other one, right? So that immediately, like everybody is everybody is is uh, in cahoots when it comes to how gross this is to start out with. And the fact that that was never really brought up shows me how comfortable everyone was like with this idea of like, if you have like a child or a sibling who is intellectually disabled, they're immediately the other of the family. 
mm-hmm. right? So that is the, the, the minds that you're put in. Um, the Diane Keaton thing is fairly interesting uh, if, she was a, if she were a Democrat. Because the notion that I give to gay causes and I'm comfortable with all this stuff, but not in my own family is very much of the like, you know, that's the stuff that like White Lotus is unpacking a little bit. And this is like a lot of like what is finally coming to the coming, you know, to a head, like in the last four or five years from Time's Up to BLM to, you know, gay rights movement, like this really trans rights movement that's moving forward is this idea of all these people who thought they were allies, and I would include probably myself and a lot of people like me, uh, having to reevaluate exactly what allyship is. But since they're Republicans, I'm not convinced they ever really wanted to be. So I, I, and I don't, I don't don't want to grapple with anything, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's maybe my biggest issue with them but as characters. But I, but I guess my issue, like my issue with that is like the notion that she's grappling mm-hmm. is supposed to be something universal. Mm-hmm. And that's uncomfortable for me as a viewer. Even I think it would have been in 1999, like the idea that like we have this problem in the family. We have one daughter who has an intellectual disability. How are we ever going to handle this? Like what a nightmare for us. Now there's a way to do it. I'm not saying there's not, right? There's a way that like- they don't want, they don't want to have that conversation. I mean, the, the, the fundamental flaw in this film ultimately is that, is that Clara's intellectual disabilities is used as a gimmick. Like it's, it's the, 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 that's the gimmick of the movie. It's like, it's a rom-com but they happen to be intellectually disabled. I mean, yes, that's, I imagine, they, how it was pitched. They have nothing else that brings them together, her Correct. and Daniel, other than that fact. Correct. I totally agree that everything about this film is cursed. Um, <laughs> and also, what you were saying about the, the, the title of The Other Sister, like, her sisters don't other her. They very much support her the like, only, in yeah, everything. True. It's true. It's, yeah. it's literally just Diane Keaton, because Tom yeah. Skerritt doesn't care to do shit. Who... It's also the Elizabeth character, the Diane Keaton character, vacillates so like hairpin turns within within scenes. Like back to back, she'll be this a, a, a crazy sort of like meltdown to apologetic to like everything happens like in a way that's very unbelievable and also makes it hard for me to empathize with her on a certain level as well. Yeah, Diane Keaton's kind of like an autopilot in this movie, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just like very much a Diane Keaton role, pretty much. Yes. Like yes. her auto doing this is like this was made for Diane Keaton, obviously. Yep. Her autopilot is better than most people's, you know, manual pilot. pilot. <laughs> um, she's, she's like she's so watchable, even when this movie's so terrible. But yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think all I think all this is true, but I still like just you know the I, I think it is is cursed from the jump, <laughs> and then one hundred percent it is like it is it is the the equivalent of you having you you being you being anybody in nineteen. 19- in 1999, knowing a gay person from camp and a gay person from work and saying, oh, I have two gay friends. They will definitely want to date <laughs> because that because that's the way it is. Yeah, they have that in and common. I think yeah. They did this in the movie and it's super <laughs> weird and off putting. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and, you know, yeah. and by the way, there is a way to do this. Like there is a way to like mm-hmm. tell this story sure. in a sensitive and respectful way. Um 
But that's also, and again, I don't, I don't want to sit here and just clown on Gary Marshall, but like Gary Marshall's career has not ever been subtle. Like he's not a guy who can, who's ever, who was ever able to really kind of navigate this type of subject matter, which again comes back to why it feels like a gimmick to me. And that's really gross and upsetting to me to, to, to watch. It's, it, it feels very, it feels oddly calculated in its own way of just sort of being like, this is, this will be funny. And this, isn't it funny to see people of this intellectual nature talking about sex? Like, isn't that funny? Yes. It's not counting on them. Yes. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like, that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, so I hadn't um, like fully seen this movie probably since the early 2000s. And sure. The last time I really thought about it was like 2017 on like, I think the Bad Romance podcast did an episode on this. Uh, and, but watching this stone face and furious, just <laughs> seething, I remember Sorry. like vividly the trailer without even rewatching it, like see, like lines and everything about it. Like, just, Same. you know, uh, who do you think it came up with sex? I think it was Madonna. Like, I remember that specifically. I, that yeah. I can like hear in my head, t- Stone Pictures presents. Like, yeah. that's how. I remember how lighthearted uh, the movie was uh, sold. You know, it was sold on those on 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 that joke almost. Like I remember that trailer too, and I remember at least three sex jokes. Like I I remember the Madonna line was the the end. It was the button of the trailer, if I remember yeah. correctly. And it's just it's just really unfortunate. And 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 like as I was watching it, I was thinking, and I think I texted you this, Kenny, about how like. Is there a way that Juliette Lewis and Giovanni Ribisi could have, could their performances have navigated this? And I I don't know that there is, but they were also cast for certain qualities that also feels somewhat like off to me. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like that they are are you are you reporting this? Like, is this something you read? I'm I'm not reporting. I'm I'm assuming that Juliette Lewis and Giovanni Ribisi are cast in this film because of their sort of oddball ish qualities to some degree. That's that's my that's my assumption. I mean, I don't I don't know why else. I mean, otherwise, I'm just sort of in this situation where I'm watching it, thinking like, why did you cast these people? I don't I don't fully understand it is really kind of what it comes down to. And could they have given performances that did justice? I don't know the answer. Well, I mean, are we can, you know, start the conversation by by saying, of course, this is 1999, mm-hmm. casting people who actually, you know, had these same disabilities uh sure. was was sure. not really was not really happening. Correct. So that wasn't, yeah. that it, it's not really fair to, you know, kind of use that against the movie. Yeah. Um, although, you know, in a 2021 lens, it is kind of galling. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the comp is, now we're getting in some weird territory, but the comp is Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks sure. was able sure. to kind of do this in a way. Now, I'm not saying he was successful or that Forrest Gump was a good movie. But what I am saying is he was able to do it in a way that he won an Oscar. So, and he told jokes, and a lot of the time, the butt of the joke was, this guy doesn't really get the way people talk, this guy doesn't really Mm -hmm. get the way people are, this guy doesn't, Mm -hmm. this guy has a great heart, but he doesn't have the ability to grasp social interactions, and uh, no one 
held it against the movie at the time. Yeah. So yeah. for two accomplished actors, and at that point, I don't think Juliet had Juliet Lewis had yet been nominated for an, for an Oscar, but I think she was. She was nominated for for Cape Fear. Cape Fear, but I think it's the next. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm in my eighty in my eighty nine brain. Yeah. So she had been nominated for an Oscar. Early nineties. Yeah. Giovanni Ribisi was, you know, pretty Both well. supremely talented actors, just to be Very, abundantly yes, clear. They're, I'm, they're, not, I'm not saying anything I, negative. I, I think that they, I truly think they were cast because they thought they could, everyone thought they could quote unquote do the job. Sure, sure, um, sure. I don't think that there is a good job to be had here. Yep. You know, like a good job well, to be done. You bring up the Forrest Gump thing, which I think is a valid movie to bring up because I do feel like that movie is, you know, it's a fable, I guess. Like, there's elements of magic realism-ish sort of existing there. They never really explain, nor do they explain it in this film, what he's grappling with intellectually. So I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, Kenny, but I do wonder whether or not Forrest Gump has a little bit more latitude because of the space it exists in. Yeah, like, in my notes, I put that Forrest Gump's possibly the, like, the least egregious form of this kind of... Sure, uh, sure. I think obvious Oscar play too. I think both Juliet and Giovanni yeah. like went into this role thinking, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna get Oscar buzz for this." One hundred percent. Did you did you reach out to Joe Reed and ask him if there was Oscar <laughs> I, buzz? On I this? did. I did reach out to Joe Reed. Uh, Joe said that if there was, this film comes out in February, so mm-hmm. it does feel like it's outside the window of Oscar buzziness, perhaps. But but to to Latoya's point. I imagine that that was well from conception. I think that this movie is, you know, is it from conception? This movie is at least theoretically Mm -hmm. dealing with some weighty things. Yeah, it does a very bad job with it. And then on top of that, you have uh, Diane Keaton, Mm -hmm. who is, you know, basically a step and a half below Meryl Streep. In that, when she is in a in a project. You kind of have to take it seriously until it's not until it's proven unserious. Um, so I do think, yeah, I think these were, I think these were Oscar plays, and I think that you know the '90s were weird and weird things like Tom Hanks, you know, becoming the biggest movie star in the world off a of performance not too dissimilar from this. And then, as you said, Latoya, in the beginning of the podcast, two years later, Sean Penn gets yeah. nominated for something. Very similar and just as silly and just as he's the butt of the joke, though he gets a little more agency, but it's another kind of uncomfortable movie. So, yeah, I think that this is the worst example of this type of movie I can think of, but they're all pretty bad. It's It really is. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just trying to imagine like a non-lighthearted version of this, and that makes me even more upset, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I mean, part of the problem would be hoof. Well, it's like if you look, if you put it next to I Am Sam, which is exactly what we're talking about, right? That movie is really earnest. It plays it very serious. Again, I haven't seen I Am Sam since it came out. I, I don't I don't really remember the, the parameters of that film necessarily, but I just remember feeling... Uh, and even this was what? This is 2001, right? 2001 that I Am Sam? I remember sitting in the theater of I, of, of I Am Sam and not feeling okay with it. This is, yeah. The, the, the difference between these movies, these studio movies that deal with people with intellectual disabilities and something like Julian Donkey Boy mm-hmm. is the, uh, Julian Donkey Boy is about the ways in which, you know, people without intellectual disabilities, other 
and treat people like that like uh, like like they are problems not even to be solved, problems to be corralled, finding the right institution for them and ways out of people's lives who otherwise see them as a burden. This movie assumes that everybody feels that way and assumes that it's right and assumes that like this is a universal problem. Like what if you had someone like this in your family? Like any reasonable person would send them away to a school. Any reasonable person would tell them they can't go to college. Any reasonable person would would say they shouldn't be in a relationship. That's this is what a reasonable person would do. And when Diane Keaton bends just just a little at the end, that's like supposed to be some big win. Heroic for yeah. yeah. At yeah. the end when they should not be getting married. First of all, like I said, the movie is two hours and ten minutes. It possibly should end when they get engaged and just like stop it there. But then they get married, even though like one fight and it's the worst thing that ever happens to them. They should not be getting married. And and us, and us. I was (laughs) was really one of the worst, one of the worst things I've ever seen. Really, it was really. I mean, we'll we'll get to that when we get to the plot. But I I I do think that uh, to your point, Latoya, I I found myself unsurprisingly checking how much was left in this film as I was watching it, just being like, when is this over? And at about the halfway point, I thought to myself, what the fuck are they going to do for another hour of this movie? They should end it at the graduate riff because they keep bringing that up and Dustin Hoffman, but they never mention Rain Man, which is another just a a choice. that forgot about Rain Man. Yeah, Rain Man fits into what you were just talking about, Kenny, of of the put them put them in a in a hospital and and you know. But but Rain but Rain Man's different because Rain Man, he Tom Tom Cruise very much yeah. starts from the position of this is a problem I need to figure out, and by the end I think he's learned genuinely loves his brain. how fucked up he was yeah. in the beginning of this movie. Yeah, and I think that and I I actually think Rain Man is probably the best example of a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Um. In that, it, you know, yes, he is. I think by the end of this movie, Tom, Tom Cruise has done a complete 180. Yes. Whereas at the end of this Dying movie, Nine barely done, moved. Yeah, he's 10 degrees, maybe. <laughs> um, 12. I'm not sure. Um, let me uh, let me give a synopsis for this film so our listeners don't have to watch it. Um, Carla Tate, played by Juliette Lewis, has never been like her sisters, sent at a young age to a school for children with intellectual impairments. A maturing Carla returns to her family home in San Francisco. Her overbearing mother, this is what you were talking about, Latoya, her overbearing mother, uh, Elizabeth, played by Diane Keaton, and her patient father, and Radley. Her Radley, incredible not, not a name. father. Her Radley, not a name. father. Have you ever heard of anybody named Radley? <laughs> Radley? There's a... There's a- is there? Yeah, there, there's a, well, there's Boo Radley. There's a, there's a political writer on who's like active oh. on Twitter. I think his name is Radley Balco. Sure. Uh, I, I, and, I you know, that. yeah, it's Thank a name I always clock for being bizarre. But, you know, okay. hey, you know, names uh, so Radley Radley struggles to come to terms with Clara's growing independence as she embarks on her dream of attending college and pursues a romance with Danny, played by Giovanni Ribisi, a young man with a similar disability. The other sister opened on February 26th, 1999 in second place behind 8mm. <laughs> what a weekend. And ahead yeah. of Payback and Message in a Bottle. Just a, a real wow. murderous row. We should also talk about the inconsistency of the Danny Daniel of it all. Uh, I, yeah, it's ridiculous. I agree with you. Pick a name. He likes uh, the to other call sister Danny calls him Daniel the rest of the movie. 
the movie will go on to make $27 million on a $38 million budget. It's got 29% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 71% from audiences. Just needs to be underlined there. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film one star. He said, the other sister is shameless in its use of intellectual disabilities. He does not, however, say intellectual disabilities. He says the R word throughout all of this. So I'm changing it. Uh, as a gimmick, a prop, and a plot device, anyone with any knowledge of intellectual challenges uh, or people with them is likely to find the film offensive. It treats the characters like cute little seals who always deliver their R word dialogue with perfect timing and <laughs> an edge of irony. Yeah, well, I'm drama. sorry, with their, with their R word dialogue. That's- Always deliver their "quote unquote" retarded dialogue with perfect timing and an edge of irony and drama. Oh, yeah, yeah, their right. singers slide out with the precision of sitcom punchlines. Yeah, so um, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not saying that Roger Ebert's wrong necessarily. I think his review is actually on point. It's the use of the R word and various things that I think are, are problematic. Oh yeah, like the line: "If there's convincingly R word character in the movie, it's the mother." <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, calls <laughs> her borderline hysterical. Yeah. Whoa, right? Yeah. It's, it's a it's a crazy review. Look, I mean, it it's, a, it's a crazy it, review in a bunch it, of ways. But yeah, it was it was a different uh, horrible time. Um, that's it very is interesting. Weird. How it's a very weird thing. I mean, Kenny and I we we've obviously we've covered over two hundred movies at this point, and periodically we've had the R word come up because at the time that word was used in a way that felt, I would say in the nineties, it was used as sort of, you know, way less than I would have expected. Phil. Yes. No, I'm, I'm no, I know. I know. I, I'm, but, I'm just, just kind of, just yeah. kind of from a, from, from a global perspective. Like I, I remember it being used all the Same. time by Same. everybody in all kinds of contexts. Yes, I agree. And, uh, and maybe that is wrong. Maybe 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 my memory of that was wrong. No, I feel, it, it not, I feel the same. It does way. not get used a lot. I mean, I use in this movie here, but they actually it does don't not get use used it as much in this movie as I was expecting. A little I was bit, actually a little expecting bit, it. Yeah. a little Other bit, than, but like, I was expecting up top it really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting, in fact, that this film and this comes back to what we were talking about before. I think we got on mic, which is there is a very calculated choice to not unpack what the intellectual disabilities are that Clara and Danny have. And I don't quite, I, I don't know that that was a choice because they wanted more, you know, I don't know, flexibility. It's because they're, they're, they're not people. Well, it's that simple because they're it's not true. treated as, pe- as people. They're, they're, yeah. There's like, and Latoya, you, I think you would understand. That. I always make like wrestling analogies uh, on the podcast, and you know, it's one true. out of every hundred guests get it. But I think you might. <laughs> do you re- do you remember uh, the anecdote? I don't remember which wrestler it was, but Michael PSA said to a black wrestler that being black oh. is your gimmick, mm-hmm. yeah. and that was kind of the idea for a long time in wrestling. That like. You don't need a gimmick. You're black. You don't need a gimmick. You're Asian. That's your gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, there's Brutus Barber Beefcake, who's the haircut, who's the barber wrestler. Well, there would never be a black barber wrestler because he's already black. You can't be two things. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought you were going to say the n-word anecdote. I was like, oh, okay. No, no, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's the uh, it's the yes. Michael PSA has also did that, but uh, <laughs> but it's this idea, and there are thin little things like this that wrestling is a little more open about. I mean, the people around wrestling, because it's, you know, 
carnival roots and lowest common denominator stuff. But uh, that's what this was. It was like, you don't need a character. You are mentally, you, you are intellectually disabled. That's your character. Like, yeah. so we don't need, we don't need to explain what it is. We don't need to talk about your childhood. We don't need to talk about the ways in which this has made your life more challenging or less challenging or more interesting or less interesting. This is it. And what we, and what's important is like that we know about you is that you'll say some funny shit because that's, you know, that's your joke delivery device to Gary Marshall and the writers of this. So it's, it is it, like, I, I think you're a hundred percent right, Phil, when you say the intentions were good, but it's so insidious. Yes. Like sure. the, the, the effect that a movie like this has Mm-hmm. on people particularly young people is really insidious because it gets you to view people who are uh, intellectually disabled as non-people and that's really that's really i i, I couldn't horrifying. agree it's it's just it's a tough movie on a bunch of levels because i do think that like it's like i did find myself at times grappling with like I think that Juliet Lewis and Giovanni Ribisi have a nice chemistry. There is something charming about them as actors, as human beings that they're bringing to this that I did find at times watchable, but it's few and far between because they're saddled with, you know, everything else that they're having to do. But it is just like, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to like really engage with this movie is really yeah. the thing too. Because they're both also essentially poor little rich kids. They just add the intellectually disabled part onto it. That yeah. way you you couldn't criticize that. Because this is like, this movie is so white. The only oh, people of color, they just show so out as shots of the community college. But this is so white. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's also, and and, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but like, there should be more people populating this movie that also have intellectual challenges. And the fact that there's only two of them, it just feels like, oh, well, these two will end up together and they'll get married and everything will be fine. And we can go on living our lives and they'll go on living theirs. There's just something very patronizing about it. Yeah. When you, you know, when you say this movie is, is so white, it's and they're little rich kids. The, the fundamental problem in this movie is who are we going to pay to take this problem off our hands? Right? Like, how do we pay to take this problem off our hands? And that is, you know, that is a, a eye line that a lot of entertainment come in at. Right? That's an eye Because that's like, that. that is where a lot of creatives come from, or at least where they are now having made money. And that is something that hopefully will change too. Yeah. Um, but th- that's a very, you know, kind of myopic worldview that also is very kind of jarring and, uh, and alienating. I, I, I agree. And it also highlights for me, one of the things that I found kind of jarring about just quite frankly, the, the storytelling of this film, which is that Clara goes to this school. It seems like she's what? Nine or ten, maybe something along those lines. Oh, when maybe she's younger, a kid, yeah. When she's a kid, like and then we jump an undetermined amount of time, and now she's coming home for she's graduating. I, I just, again, there's just a lack of detail in all of it that I don't really understand either. 
Yeah, it's isn't isn't it like eight to ten years she's been gone? That's what and I think. She's supposed to be seventeen. Yeah, that's the reason not to get married. Oh <laughs> One of goodness. the many reasons that yes, but but it's it's just there is something very odd about the way that this information's delineated to us in terms of she went away for a while, she's back now. We're all happy she's home. It's like she's just been on a vacation for a decade they <laughs> they backfill all this stuff but thank you for your letters um they, you know I, and the sister says i wish that i came to visit you more but you know <laughs> she's like yeah. well thank you for your letters <laughs> there's just like i just it's it's bizarre it's like this it's it's like she was discarded and now she's being welcomed back and they're surprised that she's not completely cool with it i guess well, it's very odd. Only Diane Keaton is surprised she's not cool with it. I think they all kind of get why she's not cool with yeah. it. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, Radley, yeah. she's as cool as can be. <laughs> she's not even like that uncool with it. She's just she's just yeah. kind of like there. Like, yeah. she, what's her drive in this movie? Her drive is to go to college. She go, to to go to college. college. Yeah. Like I guess it's kind get her of apartment. To be like independent. have a life. Yeah, it's, it's kind of to be independent. But like again, because they're so non-specific about what's going on here, you as an audience member has no have no concept of whether this is a good or a bad idea. Like you don't yes, really yes. understand. You don't really understand like like the stakes of her living alone. Yes. The stakes of her uh, of, of of everything she's going through. She's. Yep able to run away and fly 200 miles back to the school so she yep. could do that yeah mm-hmm. she's she's incredibly independent and danny's she, able to live alone um right. yeah it's it's there's a I lack don't know. of specificity it's, that i think is the problem that both of us are that all of us are oh, big up time. Against here, where it's it's just it's all very very cursory 300,000 30,000 feet of just and again, comes back to what we were saying, which is like, it feels patronizing. It feels like it's not taking its subject matter seriously because it's doing it at such a superficial level. Because quite frankly, and I don't mean to throw all rom-coms under the bus, but like romantic comedies by and large tend to be sort of not superficial, but but a little bit lighthearted. They don't tend to dig deep into the human condition necessarily. And I think that they're applying the same rules to subject matter that requires more depth. And honestly, to go back to The Graduate, it does really seem like this movie is mocking its protagonist, that it, they think that mm-hmm. this is some romantic movie. That I was they, just going to say. They don't see yeah. what it totally. really means at the end. Yeah. That's, the fact that those that they yeah. see that film as having a happy ending is exactly the problem with yeah. this movie. And them thinking that they're going to... Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I mean, I, I also... So, there are... There was one line that I genuinely laughed at because I think it's just a, a funny line is when she, when, when Clara gets home, it's Clara or Carla. My apologies. It's Carla, Clara, Carla, Clara, Clara, Clara. No, it's Carla, 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 Carla. Carla. I say Carla Tate often. A million times. Yeah, it's true. Uh, So Carla gets home. Her mother shows her her bedroom, which she has, she has redecorated and changed. And Carla's like, you you threw away all my stuff. She's like, no, I just, I rearranged your room and I redecorated it, whatever. And, and Carla closes her eyes and she's like, why are your eyes closed? She's like, I'm imagining my old room. And I genuinely was like, that's 
funny. That she just doesn't want anything that her mother has done to her to her room was it was a genuinely I thought a relatively funny line. But again, the fact that like you it's it the the screenplay is just plagued with problems. You don't care about any of the characters in the way that you probably should. I mean, I'm thinking about like the uh the other the other sister that's ironic. Uh, Carolyn, the one who's getting married, her fiance, who's a straight up monster. Like, who did you do you remember when uh, when Diane Keaton asks him what he's going to be doing uh, for his career? And he says, I'm going to make big bucks off of small countries you've never heard of through oil reserves. Well, of course, that's why they love him. And I, res- I respect his honesty. <laughs> But by the way, they're like, they're patting him on the back for this. They're just yeah. like, go get him. It's like, what fucking world well, are these people from? This movie they should be are, called I mean, The Other Sisters. It's, it is both Juliette Lewis and Sarah Paulson, who I actually think is, like, I think that's great sister casting. Too bad it's for this movie. I, I, I think actually, all, I all three of them looked like sisters to me. Yeah. And yeah. they were supportive. And when they were in the room together uh, at the bachelor party where they just pig out. Yeah. Look, I really don't think any second of this movie was good, including right. those seconds. But I do think that that the, that, yeah. that at least was was pure and that was honest, yeah. and yes. and it was the seed of something that maybe could have grown into something good. Yep. I, I do want to. It's not that I'm writing for the husband. Uh, I think they play him as a complete buffoon, um, like a total buffoon. Well, I don't. Like I don't. Crap, bro. Which is also like he's buffoon yeah. and also evil. That's, right. that's what I'm getting I, at. He, I, he's got no, a Bradley I, Cooper from uh, from. Yes, I, I, I don't think I don't think the idea is like this is who you know we should be. Now again, they get married and he's you know ultimately part of the family. But yeah. Yeah. I think he I think in in some ways he's supposed to be the you know the the counterpoint to Daniel's purity. I think. Oh, I wouldn't call Daniel pure, honestly. <laughs> I think he's manipulative. Well, he's not great. He's not great. <laughs> All right. So now we're getting into some real weird issues again because of the lack of specificity. Correct. There are some issues around consent in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that because I don't understand these characters very well, and the movie doesn't take any steps to help me understand these characters. I don't understand, as you say, Latoya, how conscious he is of his manipulation or if he's role playing things he's seen in movies or or if he's, you know, kind of play acting as a grown up when he's not. It's very hard to understand what is going on between these two when they get together. But it. Yes, there are like some there's some real consent issues that are make these sex scenes even more uncomfortable than they they would be if it was just played for laughs. Yeah, because she's very much like he's he's very much into having sex. She is mm-hmm. not really even when it finally happens. He's like, oh. well, it's Thanksgiving time to do it, and she's like, uh, she yeah. she's scared, and I'm surprised he's not suggest she just drinks some alcohol, honestly. Wow, I, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't either because that seems like the kind of thing that Gary Marshall might have prescribed for this character in real life. I, honestly, I can imagine that being cut from the movie. It's, I, it's I'd be surprised if they cut anything considering its length. But yeah, well, it's just it's re- it's really again it's really 
messy. Like I, that's what I'm trying. I, what I'm trying to get at is like all these things that they're playing for jokes, particularly the sex stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not funny. It's like it's it's the like it it, it maybe can be funny. If you earn it, if you get there, if she actually has scenes where she discusses, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, like what is happening, where is she, you know, like this guy, he wants to have sex with me, he's talking about doing it. What does that mean? She has two people in her life who are supportive and, you know, understanding and all those things, and we can talk about it. And then when you have those two characters who are on the same page, Danny and, and Carla, maybe we can get to a place where their sex is as funny as my sex, which is hilarious. So, <laughs> well, uh, I, I, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I do feel like this movie, it, it it's grappling with sex a fair amount. I mean, if you, if if we're quantifying it in terms of, I feel like there's a, there's a significant amount of talk about sex in this because I think that Gary Marshall thinks that sex is funny, and yeah, sex can be funny under the right circumstances. But I do think that you have to do the work. To, to, to explain to us the landscape of these characters and where they are so that we can get on, on the level with them. But he's not, the script and the movie isn't interested in doing that. Like the first, one of the first things Carla says at the first dinner table is, have you guys done it yet? Like to her, to her sister and, and her, and her fiance. Like it, it, it is, it is, seems to be on mind a lot. It seems to be talked about a lot, but it's not done in a way that is particularly, you know, as I said, nuanced or deep. So it feels like icky. Yeah. Carla shows that like she's intrigued, but nothing suggests that she's actually, you know, feels that she's ready or actually wants to. She just wants to know about it really. Yep. Yes. I agree. Um, and 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 unfortunately for for her, it seems that her partner has moved past that and is just like ready to like just do it, and it's it 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 doesn't it doesn't play great. No, it doesn't. It no. it, it 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 plays like a punchline, yeah. and the you know there is this. It's 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 like it's it's such a bad movie. It's such a bad it's such a bad match of director and and. And uh, themes and subject matter and all these things. But there is this old male comedy idea that everybody's thinking about sex and sex is the funniest thing in the world because, you know, my guess is it is for them the case. And they just uh, and they just kind of extrapolate that and transpose that on any characters that they want. And this makes for uncomfortable, awkward, non non consexual sex in all sorts of movies of this era. And all sorts of movies in television of this era. This is this is like an endemic problem. It's just more pronounced here because it's like anybody can see that this is not something that like we are comfortable with. So, yeah, I you know I I I wish that I mean obviously I read a I read a portion of Ebert's review, but I I do kind of wish that I could have maybe seen it in a theater spoke with people who saw it at the time because there's a part of me that's just it I can't even really wrap my head around who this movie is for who could have enjoyed this film if that makes sense like 71% from audiences I mean listen rotten tomatoes whatever take it all with a grain of salt but still that just goes to show that to some degree audiences were on board with this movie well, it's well, I mean know, go ahead. it's saccharine and heartwarming right. Right. and you know it's a uh, inc- inclusive 
These are all really all in quotes, quotes, all in air quotes, guys. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just a lot of like, it's a movie made for people to feel better about people that have this condition, I guess is the, the general feeling, right? Or or to feel better about not being a monster to people with this condition. Right. 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 Yeah. It's, it's, but you know, it's funny, Kenny, you're talking about the, the tonal jarringness of of Gary Marshall doing this this film and and there's a there's a montage early in the film to uh to find young cannibals she drives me crazy with like that it honestly made me think I was like does he think he's making pretty woman like does he actually just think that this is pretty woman except with people that have an intellectual disability it's very it's very strange like there were times where I was just like how did I've often thought this, and I don't know if you guys have thought this as well, but there's been times when I'll be sitting at Video Village on, you know, set and thinking about a director and how they have to think about all these pieces and how they're all going to kind of come together. And I can't say that I have that mind yet where I can actually watch the monitors and feel like it's coming, whether or not it's coming together or not. I can't believe someone sat behind a monitor on the set of this movie and was like, this shit's working. Like During this the is store scene. Yeah. I, crazy. What was that scene and why? Why was that scene? Why was would, there a would, foot fetishist? Yeah. What, what what? That's not again, two hours and ten minutes. We don't need that scene. We don't need that scene at all. I bet that everyone thought this movie was working. I bet that, clearly. I, I I know I do. I bet <laughs> that everyone was there being like, We got it. This is gold. Um and be, because, like, yeah. I, I don't like when my little rant in the beginning about the other sister and the way it others people and the way it assumes the audience is there. Like, the audience was there. The audience like, was the, there. Like, that this 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 was not something that people were like really particularly uncomfortable with. And I'm trying to think of like what Gary when you say did he think he was making Pretty Woman? Yes, the answer is yes. The answer, I think he, I, I think he thought like this will be the quintessential love story for two intellectually challenged people, and I will treat them like I would treat Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, and it will be the exact same beats, and we will do the exact same things because I am blind to anything that you know, any to any to anything that makes your lived experiences different. And I think that's the way he approached this movie with the added, you know, added little cherry on top of, but we will also make fun of them at every turn. Um, and I think I, everyone I, that, that was, right. was kind of cool with it. Now, I mean, that's my sense. I, it, it's, it certainly feels that way. It certainly feels as though, I mean, they gave him $38 million to make this movie. That, that, that's, you know, you're, you're getting into the $70, $80 million in 2021 dollars to make this film. It didn't make its money back, but still, I mean, made $24 million. That's, that's you know, nothing to sneeze at in the greater scheme of things. But, but again, you know, Gary Marshall in the same year, you know, he gives us The Runaway Bride, which makes, you know, a bazillion dollars. Um, not a good movie either. Um, but, you know, do you have thoughts on Runaway Bride? Well, no, I'm just imagining Gary Marshall trying to make Julia Roberts and Richard Gere do this movie. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, it's... I, I just... I don't know that. Um, yeah, I, don't, I just, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how this movie gets made. I don't. I just genuinely don't know. I, I mean, I guess I do, but I just find it so disheartening. Gary Marshall said, "I want to make this movie," and they said, "Okay." I think yeah, that's this what is a it Disney is. movie. This is Touchstone. Yeah, he's I, I, I really, I really think that this was not considered in any way to be offensive. Or a third rail yeah. Yeah. or anything like that, or something that needed to be treated sensitively. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's not, I think it's not only that Gary Marshall said, I want to make this movie. I think Touchstone said, sounds great. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I do. And, and the only reason, as I said, I think people really didn't see this movie was because like it just didn't look that fucking good. But people yeah. certainly yeah. saw some of the other movies we've talked about. This isn't like, you know, people weren't above a movie like this. Sure. Well, can I, here's a question. Because I feel like, you know, we've covered a lot of movies at this point, Kenny. And, and, and I would say that there's only been a handful that I, that I genuinely think would not get made today. Right? Like a movie that, that just wouldn't. Could, like, could just, not, would not. Yes. Right. This is a movie that could not, would not get made today. Do you agree then, with that assessment? Who, me? Yes. Under no circumstances would this movie get made today. Right. I'm trying to think of other ones that, that feel this sort of clear cut, you could not, would not make this movie today that we've covered. See, I imagine someone being so bold as to try to make this movie, and as soon as it's <laughs> announced on deadline, the studio realizes yeah. <laughs> we've made a huge mistake, and they, they pulled the plug. But like, I could see it getting greenlit today, because that's the world in which we live, honestly. All right, so let's Fair. do it. We're, we're gutsy people who aren't afraid of being canceled. <laughs> How do yourself. we... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the other... So, uh, you know, uh, they, like, they did make Speechless a few years ago for ABC. Right. And Speechless yes. was successful... It was successful commercially. It was successful critically. I think it was very successful. The community was portraying. Um, and there is, as I like been trying to allude to, it, there is a way to tell these stories. Right. There right. has to be. Right? Well, like the, there, there has to be. Was or the showrunner and the creator had a, has a child who I believe a, like. He had a brother or a nephew, okay. um, but okay. someone in his family. Okay. But uh, you, there has to be a way. Yeah. Or else you are saying that that we are we are xing this community out from film portrayals of them, right? So you you there has to be a way. Now, like, am I the guy to do it? No. Uh, so I'm not going to even hazard a way to do it. But like, 
okay, let me let me rephrase because you're making a very valid point. I think that if you if you made this film today, there'd be any number of things you would have to do. The f- the first obviously being the casting of people that that are you know have intellectual uh, challenges or disabilities. So I, I think that 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 goes a long way towards eradicating one of. I would argue the cringiest aspects of this film. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's hard to watch at times. Um, so I wonder if to your point, Kenny, if you were to navigate this in a much more, you know, uh, believable, grounded, uh, you know, a, a heartfelt way of trying to actually shine a light on, on a community, I think you could probably do that. I don't mean to suggest that you couldn't. I just mean it's, this film in the way well, it's that it not, is. and that's what I'm saying. It's not this movie. Yeah, but there has to be a way to, to tell a love story. Sure, sure. Among two people like this, just like uh, I didn't see Coda. I don't know if you guys saw Coda. I haven't yet. It's on my list to watch. Though. But you know, first, first things first. Like Marley Matlin, Marley Matlin was supposed to be the only hearing impaired actor. Mm-hmm. Until she essentially said, "I will not do this movie unless the other people who are playing hearing impaired actors are hearing impaired characters are actually hearing impaired." Mm-hmm. But I don't know anything about the crew of that movie. I don't know anything about the producers and directors of that movie. And I also, frankly, didn't see it, so I don't know if it was successful. Um, right. And that's from you know that would be from my subjective viewpoint. But uh, you know, there that does seem, at least from the outside, like a step towards inclusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, sensitivity and thoughtfulness when it comes to how to you know make absolutely films about uh, people from marginalized community or you know marginalized because of a physical uh, or I mental that, handicap. I, I agree, and I and I think that I think what we're all saying here is that you know if a film was announced that was going to be a, a love story between you know two people that 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 have intellectual uh, disabilities, I don't think that that would get people all up in arms. I think that if there was an announcement saying that, you know, said director with, you know, with said actors has decided that they're going to make a romantic comedy about this. I think that people might get up in arms, but it has, if without the, without the, you know. Yeah. It depends on who's both, you know, in front of the camera and behind the camera. And, and in this movie, it, no one who actually lived through this was involved in this movie at all. I don't even think they talked to anyone with any like uh, intellectual no. disabilities at all. Who uh, who would be the worst director to do this? Yeah, throw, throw it out. Who'd be the worst son? I'll, I'll go first. I think a real bad director <laughs> for this would would be. Latoya's uh, face is fantastic. <laughs> a real bad director for this this type of film would uh-huh. be uh, like Dennis Dugan. I think would be a bad. One. <laughs> I think he would do a bad job. I don't know. You guys have any other guesses? I said Michael Bay because I we gotta sure, get him canceled sure. somehow. He would do a bad job. He would, I don't think he would do well. He did. He did. He did okay with the with the the muscled up steroid community though. So I he was did. impressed with that. Yeah, but. I mean, I think that Dennis Dugan's actually the perfect wrong person because it does feel like with I, I pronounce you Chuck and Larry, he's willing to apparently go towards certain uh, uh, communities with with just you know lack. Of you know caring. what's you know what's interesting, Art. So you have uh, I pronounce you Chuck and Larry, uh, mm-hmm. a mess. 
Yeah. This is more akin to that movie that I never saw uh, called The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville. Oh, wow. Oh, I forgot yeah. that movie existed. Forgot which, that existed too. <laughs> which is, you know, which weirdly, again, never saw it. So that came out and that was a situation where everyone was like, mm-hmm. oh God, no. When right? did that come out? I'm looking it up. Well, yeah. And that came out, I want to say that sounds about right. 06, 07. I mean, it, it was 05. Yeah. Um, right around the time and, of him being a big deal. Yeah. Well, it was, and it was a Farrelly Brothers movie. It was. Um, so you know, candidates for the worst people to do this. Uh, and and, um, and I remember after that, just like with Shallow Hal, also a Farrelly Brothers movie. After that movie, people people saw the trailer and were like, oh my God. And after that, people were like, you know, they actually do a good job, which is interesting to me in that uh, both of these movies like center, you know, in it's basically center people who the movie aren't about and basically says it's okay to make fun of them if deep down you recognize their humanity. Now I can see the Fairly with an Oscar trying to do this and I'm very oh. upset. Well, are we still you know, getting the, the, you know, the, the movie uh, uh, written by the guy that did Green Book? What about the Italian thing? Like, oh, that yeah. Uh, Villa Longa? It, it's, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's not- doing the movie about the Arabs celebrating 9 11. I want the, the uh, musical. <laughs> <laughs> he was, hold on, I gotta look this up because he did have a movie that I feel like was announced shortly after he won. But yes, yeah, sorry, continue. The, the, the yeah. scary part about Peter Farrelly, <laughs> sure, yes. is, is 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 now he thinks he can now he thinks he can do the quote unquote sincere version, mm-hmm. which is even worse. It's an even worse lane for him to go down than the shallow Hal Ringer version of this. But he's. Oh god, what is it? Uh, maybe it's been canceled. He had some movie that it was called like Amore or something, and it was about like oh god. Anyway, is it, what that's, is it just that's Amore because now because I, I know what you're so. talking about, and it's yes. it's a musical, and I'm yes. Yes. been waiting for it. We're all waiting with bated breath. <laughs> that dude, that dude has an Oscar. It's un, it's unreal. It's unreal. Um, yeah. I yeah I yeah. this yes, is that <laughs> is called that's Amore because of course it is. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be there day one. Can't be worse than uh, Dear Evan Hansen. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I also just I, I, I was Kidding, listening to I was listening to Blaine Check the other day and they were talking about Vigo Morrison. And I can't remember why, but they were just like, do you remember that he was nominated for best actor for folding a pizza in half and eating it? To the <laughs> <laughs> he pulled a Liz Lemon and it's like, okay, I guess nominate mm-hmm. him for an Oscar. Yeah, well, you didn't, yeah. Never seen a man do that before. <laughs> it was just like, uh, it's just insane. It's insane. We live in a, yeah. a, a broken, broken world. Um, mm-hmm. I want to just uh, run through some of the plot. This is a pretty plotless movie for the most part, but there's a couple things that I did want to hit along the way. There's so um, much plot. Again, it's two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, and yet and yet, kind of nothing happens, but just she comes home, she decides she wants to go to college, she meets a boy that she thinks she likes, she's not sure, um, and then she gets an apartment by herself, and yeah, they have sex. <laughs> Her sister gets married, and then she gets married. I mean, that's the plot of the movie, but but there's some stuff that I did kind of want to highlight for a second, which is, do you guys remember she's at school and she's in a computer class and there's a girl next to Why? This is like the foot fetish guy. Why? Obviously to make her think about like sex, but like why? It's a community college. Who is trying to use their community college professor? So the girl, the girl next to her stands up and like, 
kind of puts her hand in her in her very low waisted jeans because it's 1999, oh, yeah. and she's sort of and and she's flirting with a man who is at least twenty years. Yeah, he was hundred years. Twenty old. years her senior, um, and he's not taking the bait. Uh, and then he walks away, and it's she like, turns to Claire and says, "It's pretty cute, huh?" And it's like, like day one of the class. Can you <laughs> wait to try to fuck him? Like it was no. Insane. There's a line. There's a line. <laughs> so then be Claire, first. So then Carla goes home, and in the mirror starts mimicking what this girl did to try to be flirty. Like the um, kids with their Britney Spears. The kids with their Britney Spears. <laughs> Carla also has a, a laptop computer on her bed that is amazingly dated. That looks like it is an easy, easily six inches thick. It's a briefcase. <laughs> it's a briefcase where I think she's like looking up flirting or something like that. Like literally, like it, it, it's, it's, anyway. Um, but that scene Alta was Vista. so weird. Com. <laughs> AltaVista.com. Um so then we have Julie from Friends who does a makeover on Carla at the oh, mall. A free makeover. Wait, well, a free well, makeover of half of After she's directed by Cherie Appleby from Roswell, she's the one who gives out the flyer for the, the free makeovers. <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. Big TV moment. Um, uh, yeah. So that's she so only does cruel ha- what she does. This yeah. Is, that's the awful. More- Cruel, horrible, awful. Oh, so, so to, to explain fair. to our our listeners, uh, Julie gives uh, Carla a makeover on half of her face and says it's only a free, free it's makeover. Of, yeah, and then so you then have to Carla pay fifty bucks for the other face. So then Carla understandably is like, "This is this is a fucking scam," and Julie's like, "Whatever, I don't know what you want from me." And then it leads to a bit where I guess she tries to hide half of her face throughout the mall i don't i don't know i it's i just don't know what to make of that yeah. like again that's that's a joke that quite frankly has kind of nothing to do with carla's intellectual abilities that's just like a joke it's just a bad joke it's just a, it's dumb a joke. scam it's just, anybody would have yeah. fallen for that it's exactly. a lie they're actively exactly. lying to somebody <laughs> and anybody who doesn't throw a fit after that is just taking it which is not cool but uh, we—I right. don't know where again where we land on this. Are we supposed to be, you know? But but are we? Are, but what? But, but what would have maybe helped? <laughs> is this yeah. someone actually? Is this someone actually did take advantage of her? And then we knew where she stood again. Correct. There, Correct. there isn't really like these moments where uh, where there, uh, where she's a character. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's so, I mean, right. on on either front. I mean, Danny as well. You know, I think they both. I mean, the the, the Danny. It, it honestly feels like Danny has two pieces of backstory character ishness, which is that his dad cut him off because he didn't pass the class that he's taking with Carla, and he says that it's costing too much money to keep you in your own in your own apartment. So he tells him that he has to move to like I don't know where it was, Florida, I think, yeah, Florida, to live with his mom, basically make make her pay for him from now on. Because I guess he's just again just throwing money at the problem has been. Yes, you're what done. Both these these people have to deal with so. Great parenting across yeah. the board, by the way. Just just stellar parenting in this movie, um, and then we realize, I guess, that Danny has a drinking problem, like that he has that he. Yeah, he's like he is <laughs> An red flag city. He's a very bad drinking problem. 
He kind of develops one over the course of the movie. Yeah. Hector Elizondo isn't really helping him out that much. No. No one's really looking out for poor Danny. Elizondo just never said no to Gary, did he? Nope. Mm. Not a one. No, no. He's in every one of his movies. That day, he's, he's, you know... Yep. He's yep. he's like John Ratzenberger in Pixar. You know, <laughs> he doesn't make a movie without him. And you know, so, he's... can I ask a question? And I and I don't know how to ask this, but I'm just sort of like, there's a modulation in Giovanni's performance when Danny's drunk, and I can't really pinpoint it, but it feels like something gets gets lost in terms of like Danny gets lost in the drunkenness of the performance. Does that make sense? Do you sort of know what I'm getting at? No, I feel so. I easy playing drunk and not playing Danny being drunk. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, okay. I feel really bad for Giovanni Ribisi in general or just in this film. In this particular movie, (laughs) it's an un, it's, it's, it it is, it is, he's being led down a blind alley. Like, there, there is just no, like, there, I mean, he took the role. I don't feel that bad for him, you know, but like, it's, it's how. What, what a nightmare! Saying. Like it's just like, is he is he not playing Danny drunk? Is he playing a, a drunk but not Danny drunk? I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> well, he, I, like I, I didn't mean to posit it to you. You don't need to have the answers. I just mean like, no, you know I just like, I no, and, 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 I, I and like, the drunk viewer. version, whether it is Danny drunk or just him playing a drunk character, is a scary drunk. Also, correct, correct, correct. He's he's a scary drunk with nobody helping him. And people just pointing and laughing at him, which is like so terrible. Like the whole thing is so, the whole thing is just so terrible, you know? And I get, I mean, it it, it really, just to underline your point, Kenny, I agree with you that there's no one in Danny's life to sort of, to, to, to show him right and wrong, to give him guardrails of any sort. So it's like when when the big sort of when the when the shit really hits the fan, which is that uh, Carl and Danny have sex, and then Danny drunkenly gets gets in front of the microphone at Caroline's wedding and tells everybody that they had sex, and she's very embarrassed by this. Everybody starts laughing, and she feels humiliated, and understandably so. But he doesn't. He thinks it's he thinks it's a joke. Like he doesn't understand what he's done and why it upsets her as much as it does, which is it's, he, he tells know. jokes. That's part right. of his character. He's a right. jokey guy. Yeah. He wears and a dog it, outfit and barks at you. A, a dog costume and pretends and to bite. Yes. Well, yes. yes. They're, they're both barking at dogs or as dogs. Correct. Correct. Yeah. He, but he's doing that as a, like, again, like I agree with you, Kenny. He's how fuck he's, you write this movie. How, how, how do how do you write this movie and like not just immediately go to hell? Like without collecting two hundred dollars, it's just like it should have. It just you get smoted and it's just over for you once you I don't write. Disagree. Once you write the 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 thing they have in common is that they both bark like dogs. That should be the end of you. You are no longer allowed on this planet. I, it's, I it's, it's but, but man, but to your point, I liked this movie even less than I thought, <laughs> and I thought I liked it very, lo- very small, very, a very small very amount. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm just, I, I want to highlight this because I think it's worth highlighting, which is that Danny thinks he's cracking jokes. 
Danny doesn't know what's a joke, what's not a joke sometimes. And he crosses a line here. And sometimes he does. And then, you know, yes. I, I, my, my, the, the reason I bring this up is that it comes back to sort of Danny doesn't have anyone in his life outside of Hector Elizondo to tell him to turn down his marching band music because the neighbors will think it's too loud to tell him, you know, what, what is right, what is wrong, how to read people's emotions. And it's why that scene is so brutal to watch because there's such a lack of communication and a lack of anybody caring for these characters. Mm-hmm. Well, Magic. I guess we're supposed to see, you know, Radley and uh, Diane Keaton as better because, yes, they threw money at the situation, but they did it to send it to, you know, a school for yes. people like her, whereas it doesn't seem like uh, Daniel yeah. got any of that in general. Which You're is, supposed I mean, to see them as better. The reason he, you know, failed his classes, like, he, all he does is, you know, listen to his marching bands and go work at the bakery. I don't, I, we don't actually see him, you know, like working at any like, thing in school like we do uh, for Carla. Could you, could, no. I, I could just imagine Gary Marshall pitching out this, this movie and just being like, and then when they have sex, you wouldn't believe what he puts on. Does he, does he put on a little Celine Dion? No. Does he put on a little <laughs> light jazz? No. He puts on a little John Philip Sousa. 76 <laughs> trombones at the big parade. Gary Marshall Can- was the dice man. <laughs> I just, I, I really, do you guys, I don't really get the marching That's band. my, like, I know it's a joke, but like, is it a joke? joke? Of course it's a bad joke. Okay, it's, okay. it's apropos of nothing. It's just yeah. to humiliate him. Yeah. Also, yeah. She likes the blues and he's like, nope, marching band. <laughs> It's it's such a good joke that it's the button of this movie. This movie <sighs> at the very end is, uh, but yeah, I you know, it also should be said that Radley uh, owns a country club, which should surprise nobody. <laughs> Radley, good good work if you can get in. <laughs> no offense to Tom Skerritt, but he is sleepwalking through this entire. Movie. Oh my god! Yeah. A hundred percent. After again, after that initial scene where he's just like pouring so much alcohol and just sloshing <laughs> around, which is like that is an acting class scene. What is happening there? Mm. It's, it's just all it's, over the place. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's all downhill from there. I love it, Scarrett. It's too bad. I love Scarrett too, but he's he's just you know he's well he's mustache, also you know mustacheless Scarrett is worse so. than mustachioed yeah. Scarrett. Yeah. Is but this is this good. like prime uh, picket fences or is this post picket fences? I think picket fences might might have been a little earlier. Yeah, he was like ninety four ish. Yeah, picket fences. We're recording this the day after the Emmys, and I, for whatever reason, decided to look at every best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress winner, going oh. back to the beginning of the Emmys in all the categories. Would wow. you know Hector Hector Elizondo was once nominated for one of these awards? For but yeah, what? picket fences is in the middle mid nineties. I don't know. I'll find out. Okay. I just uh, it's yeah. It Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Really upsets me that he's the the good guy of the parents, considering how awful he is in that opening, where he's not helpful at all. Because again, he's just pouring an, another heavy drink, and then he's mm-hmm. saying to Diane Keaton, "I don't want her to be R word." He says basically, "It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's not helpful." He's like, "Don't send her to that school." Like, well, you just want to drink yourself to death. <laughs> Hector Elizondo <laughs> nominated four times. 
best supporting actor for Chicago Hope and won once. Oh, Chicago Hope, of course, of course. How could I have forgotten that? That makes sense. Yeah, I just I I kind of wish that um that Scarrett was given a little bit more to to do because I do feel like Diane Keaton is sort of lapping him. He just feels sort of, you know, he's like, but I love my daughter. And she's like, I do too, but and yeah, it's it's just it's kind of that conversation <laughs> not really. over, and over again, but not that and, much really. And I, I mean, we're we're not really hitting, we're not playing that much uh, or giving much play to the Sarah Paulson is gay story. No, I was just too. gonna, I was gonna bring right. that up because this is the part of the film where Elizabeth and Radley don't support Heather being sorry. They support gays, just not her being gay. Well, of course, Radley supports it. He's Radley. <laughs> <laughs> He's that a hero. So, that guy's so cool. <laughs> really lounging at pride. <laughs> yeah, well, the, great but run. the gay thing is just my kind so, of Republican. It's so swept under the rug. Like there's, as you mentioned, there's the scene in bed where we see the back of Tracy Reiner's head as she sleeps. Yes. Um, and then, uh, and then Sarah Paulson says, you know. You call her my special friend. You won't let me bring her around. And then it's like a big win when Diane Keaton acknowledges that she's a human being at the end of this film. <laughs> it should have gone on for two more hours. See, see that romance play out. I mean, eh. Sarah Paulson's given it her all, though, as she seems. I mean, Kenny and I, we haven't, we haven't <laughs> released the episode for Held Up yet. But uh, the Jamie Foxx film. Have you ever seen that she, movie? I've not. Oh, it's a good movie. It's a good comedy. And it's she, a really good movie. <laughs> she's it's, great it's, in it. <laughs> she's great in it. It's basically about Jamie Foxx gets essentially trapped in a holdup at a convenience store for 90 minutes. And she's one I think of the it's my I think it's my great. favorite comedy, Jamie yeah. Foxx comedy I've ever seen. Well, now it's, I need to see it. It's a, I think it's on Pluto or Tubi or something like that. I'm sure it's on yes. one of those streamers. That's how you know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Pluto TV with the commercials at the most random intervals. That's the good stuff. Should yeah, we announce right. it now? We, <laughs> well, yeah. it's gonna Pluto be is going to be sponsoring bed. one of our uh, upcoming episodes. So, uh, or, Yes. Or, yeah. We're big Pluto, Pluto fans big every Pluto year. Fans. But yeah, Held Up is, is great. She's great uh, in it. And she's... Giving this her all, but there's she's just not much to in do. this too. She's yeah, like, she's like, and I, I love Poppy Montgomery, by the way. Like, yeah, also, she's also a good, good actress. Man, yeah. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean Tracy Reiner, by the way, who I love in Betty Spaghetti, the best. Betty Spaghetti. She's great. Um, I kind of don't great understand what cries she do of all work. time. She's great. Oh yeah, when she cries when he gives her the, oh, it's the, the worst. It's the, it's the best. It's a great scene. I can't. I can't believe they gave her that media of a role. I always assumed she was kind of not a good actress, yeah. and she just was. Uh, she's Rob Reiner's sister. She is Rob Reiner's sister, daughter. daughter. No daughter, adopted. Daughter, it's from daughter. when Penny was married to him. Oh, so she's also Penny's daughter. Yeah, which is how she gets that role, uh, I guess. And that is a meaty role, and that's a really yeah. memorable moment in that film. And she just nails. She it. nails it. Um, yeah. I yeah. think she's a good actor, and I'm sort of surprised she, she didn't is. get more work. And she doesn't really have much to do in this, but yeah, it's. The, I don't know. I, I. It's just a lot of lip service on the on Sarah Paulson's, you know, gayness in this movie. They're not really. They're not really interested in doing anything with it. What do I do? I want to know what Gary Marshall would have done if the other sister was Sarah Paulson, the lesbian daughter. 
<laughs> I mean, is it just the movie, uh, the Catherine Heigl classic, Jenny's Wedding? <laughs> I can't. I can't even wrap my head know. around it. I don't know that that. So I just I, I got to look up Gary Marshall for a quick second here because it's it's worth because um, I'm just curious as to uh, what comes after this is um, Runaway Bride, Princess Diaries, Raising Helen, Princess Diaries Two, Georgia Rule, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day. So he just really gives us a trilogy well, of days. At what point did he get smited for writing this? I don't Smite. think that happened. Seems. Well, it happened eventually. Uh, he, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think I think what we what, what I realized is Gary Marshall is kind of a but, and I'm to me this is like stupid. He was old and it was you know he, yeah. this was just so dumb. But he made one good movie, and uh, that's it. Like I mean, unless you know, as I said to Phil, there are people mm-hmm. who you know who who ride for Princess Diaries. Uh, which I've seen with my daughter dozens of times. I don't think it's good, but I think Anne Hathaway's great. But I think he's made one good movie. And I don't think he's good at making movies. I think Runaway Bride is unbelievably bad, and this is worse. For sure, for sure. This is this is definitely maybe worse. Young Doctors I, in Love is good, Phil. Who knows? I was gonna say that a movie that I don't think is is great, but I rewatched it relatively recently and kind of liked it was Frankie and Johnny. Well, you, um, just, you 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 love Michelle. Yeah, I mean she can do anything. She can do but no even, wrong. I mean, uh, she can do wrong. We've 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 talked about her doing wrong on movie. this very podcast. I don't hate that movie. Which one? The Deep End of the Ocean. I was going to say Story of Us. Oh, oh that movie I hate. I am Sam. Also, <laughs> yes, yeah, she she does wrong. She does wrong here and there. She but. does wrong here and there. She's very good in Frankie and Johnny, as is Al Pacino. It's a good movie. It's his follow-up to Pretty Woman. It feels like the movie where he was like, I want to do something a little bit more meaty. I think it's a good movie. But, you know, then, then it's exiting. Then he gave up on that. Sorry? Yeah. Then he gave up on that. Oh, oh yeah. Big time, big time. He, like, gave up on it, and then he found, like, a sub-basement. Right? Like, yeah. the, the, the holiday movies... Are like one step above, like the the Straight you know the knockoff, yeah. like the knockoff scary movie guys, yes, like yes, those yes, dudes yep, who made yep, the bad yep. ones. Uh, like that's what he did with movies. He's like, I'm just gonna knock off movies, throw well, some. It does, <laughs> it does feel like you know, Runaway Bride, Princess Diaries are back to back, and those are both successful movies. They're not good movies, but they're successful movies. Runaway Bride is very, very successful. I think and it was they, the ninth and, highest grosser of this year, yeah, which is it, insane. It, Basically, because the other sister flopped, obviously, but mm-hmm. Runaway Bride was later in the year, so mm-hmm. it was able to bounce back yeah, yep. in that way. It's yep. like this didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then Princess Diaries is a big hit as well, and, and it just feels like that gives him a new, you know, it's a whole new thing. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and ride for Gary Marshall. Like, you're not wrong, Kenny. The guy does not have a lot of good movies. Tremendous television credits. I mean, obviously, he yes. gave us a, just a, you know, litany of unbelievable TV shows. And a, and a fun actor, too. And, I you know, love a middle of their own. Gary Everyone loves Gary Marshall. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Except people who've had to sit through this movie. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to say except people that have had to sit next to him. Next to him, how do you describe this movie? (laughs) So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the entire marching band Uh, come over the San Francisco Hill. So just just to wrap up our plot very quickly here, they have the big fight. Danny's going to go to Florida, but then he's on a train talking about the graduate. 
And it inspires him. (laughs) It inspires him to get off the train and go back, but he doesn't take his ticket with him. So he has to hitchhike his way across the country. Anyway, he get he gets back. He gets there in time of the wedding. He throws marshmallows at her. She thinks it's adorable. They get back together. They get married. He brings a fucking marching band, and that's and then this is. This is this is six years after Wayne's World Two, correct? Come on, it's over. <laughs> we did it. We yeah, no, it's true. Like it's we did this joke. Are his parents at the wedding? His mom. His, his mom, mom is. is. There. Yes. The, who the, the woman who gave him up for a year for his entire life. His mom's there, and the baker is there. Says he's gonna. The, oh yeah, <laughs> Daniel's gonna be a very good baker. Is what he says. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So, are we gonna do our top five Gary Marshall movies? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I. Uh, I will say this though, and and I mean, this is I, this is the only thing that I'll defend Gary Marshall on, which is that Pretty Woman is a ridiculously watchable movie it's just a very watchable movie oh it, pretty it, woman's great yeah, that's i have he, nothing bad to say about pretty woman he, it's great he and and i think that unfortunately he learned all the wrong lessons from that movie which was notoriously you know a lot of improvising a lot of sort of shit going on that script was kind of went through any number of weird revisions did you, did you watch the movies that made did, us on the, it yeah yes. Yeah. Yes. so like that movie was a was no one thought that thing was going to work and Gary Marshall somehow, you know, got lightning in a bottle, mostly with Julia Roberts's tremendous performance. And the lesson he learned from that was to kind of keep doing that, I guess. Like, it doesn't feel as though there's a lot. I, of- I, I love Pretty Women. I don't think it holds up under close scrutiny, so I just don't bother to scrutinize it. It's just a fun, <laughs> great movie. I feel That's the same. how I feel about the other sister. No, no. <laughs> that's the pull that quote. Like that's pull what we're going to be. That's what we're going to put all over Twitter. That's why Ferguson again. goes the other way. <laughs> Who knew? That's why Ferguson is a huge fan of the other sister. <laughs> Oh, Latoya, you uh, said I mean, yeah, you you yeah. said to to Phil when he you know kind of catfished you that that you could talk you could talk a lot about this film what before you watched it again what were you thinking there's a song that you mentioned the savage garden song correct uh, correct. the animal song that was the the big Mm -hmm. fun song that i learned it was apparently about uh mental illness because nothing is okay but it was fun and poppy and yeah they're, they're dressed as like he's dressed like a dog Yes, yes. He's just like a dog. Yeah, their first, their first kiss was he's in their, their so silly. He's dressed like a swan. He's dressed like a dog. And they want to um, live like animals, careless and free, as the song says. That Was the song written for this movie? Uh, well, so they were approached to uh, write a song for Runaway Bride. But instead, they chose the, the movie that flopped, as, as they have said. I, I, I will say. Yeah, 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 yeah. That scene almost worked. Their yep. first kiss, yep. the way it was lit, the way they got together, like that scene almost did. That's the reason this movie's not getting a one from me. Um, it's it very close to a one. 
It's Kidding. very close. You yeah, know, I love the movie. I love the movie. It's, yeah, obviously, it's the other I mean, sister. You it's, know, it's the other sister. It's, it's the pretty it's women. Harmless. <laughs> Why? I, I will say though, um, Latoya, I did send you the list, and you yeah. you did you obviously you wanted to talk about Angel and Buffy, and listen, uh, who doesn't want to talk about Angel and Buffy except for you know me because Joss Whedon? But I also said I, Dawson's Creek. You did say Dawson's Creek as well. Sorry, um, but I but I'm curious as to sort of. Did you see this film around that time? Oh, or? I definitely saw it in the theater. I was a child. I was taken to the theater to see this with my mother. Yes. We were all taken to the theater with my, to see it with my mother. I was 11 was years it, old. I had no choice. It was a thing to do. <laughs> do you remember this experience at all? No, I don't remember okay. the exact experience of going to see it. But yeah, I definitely, I, I know that Savage Garden saw got some decent play. We got that uh, CD single and mm-hmm. I was going... What's going on in the loop? Uh, yeah, it was a, a household uh, classic, if I recall correctly. Do you have a favorite Savage Garden song? I mean, actually, really yes. madly deeply. No, uh, it's the very sad song about like escaping abuse. Uh, two beds in a coffee machine. <laughs> I don't I don't know that song. You go deep on Savage Garden. That's amazing. <laughs> you're you're in the weeds on Savage Are you Garden. Really? Of course, my favorite song is the one about escaping an abusive relationship. <laughs> the only two Savage Garden songs I know are name. Truly Madly Deeply and the I Miss the You. The one goes I think? like, Ooh, I long Chicka Chicka Cola or Chicka Chiricola or something like that. Where I want like, you. the name of the song. I want you. Yeah, I want Ooh, you. I want you. I want you. Chicka Cherry Cola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink some Cherry Cola. I feel All like right. now at the end of this episode we have can, to play some Savage Garden. Can we move? Can, can, can we move on to the to the portion of the podcast where I asked Latoya about wrestling? Please, yeah. So Latoya, you you wrote the book behind you, right? Yes, yes, I did. It, it's like what's the title of it? The an encyclopedia of women's wrestling. Very quickly. <laughs> what's this? In, in I, your, I just I want to hit pause for one quick second and just say <laughs> this that is I dream. love. That at the end of the other sister episode, <laughs> we're getting just a to. little kiss of, of I have to. No, I have to. No, please, please. We because well, when, when Phil said you were coming on, yeah. you know, we already did Beyond the Mat. Uh, but I was like, you know, I know she's wrestling writer. Maybe she would come on for No Holds Barred because we do eighty nine too. She didn't take the bait on that one. I put that on the list. A hard pass. I, I'm not gonna deal with that man with Hogan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That, and maybe we shouldn't bitch. deal with them either. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Okay, moving on. Yeah. What? How do you feel about the state of women's wrestling right now? That's my question. Uh, throughout the industry, uh, it's an interesting moment, I think. Um, so what do you think? Uh, let's see. AEW needs to do better. It is doing better. So that's good. Um, impact, it always has been for a long time doing great with women. And, and women and characters too. So if the uh, formerly known as the Iconics, they go to Impact, I, w- I will be very happy. They're the best. Um, NXT. They're the, they're the kind of wrestlers I could show Phil, and I know he would get such a kick out of them. Oh yes, they rule. Can I ask what the AW what AW is for, for the layman? Sorry, All American Elite Wrestling. It airs okay. uh, on TNT. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's the hot a, new thing. Yeah, the hot, it's the new cool. hotness. Cool. Yes. Yeah, um, NXT until I guess it became NXT 2.0. Uh, 
don't mm-hmm. know what things are going to be like now. I would say it has like the best women's division in like all of North America. Yeah. And um, I'm so upset Dakota Kai did not win the women's championship. I understand that. Yeah. Um, uh, Phil does not. <laughs> I, I, I but, don't, but I, I do have a question for you. I know nothing about wait, wait, but I want to hear. I want to hear what you think about WWE Sorry. proper first. WWE proper has... Uh, I enjoy SmackDown usually weekly. I'm a little bit behind. and But they've been kind of behind in terms of, you know, giving women time. Although I, I really... I, I miss Bailey. She's out on her injury, and she was doing such so, so great work. Raw, I have not watched in months. Uh, it's unwatchable, really. It's a terrible show. It's a, yeah. I, 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 when I saw you, were, we were doing this on Monday night. I figured you quit. But it's a horrible, unwatchable show. But, uh, but I think, yeah, I, I think um, the women of NXT are incredible in general. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful that Candice LeRae is, is having a baby, but she's the coolest person yes. maybe in the she universe. Also, she should be the NXT champion. She should. Well, yeah. she's, beaten, she's beaten them all anyway in, a, exactly. in various indie promotions. She should have kicked uh, Karrion Cross's ass like up and down Main yes, Street. Someone <laughs> should. Um, real quick, Phil, you would love the Iconics. They are two Australians. I'm looking who, up the Iconics right now. Who basically... Uh, talk to each other like Australian versions of like mean girls who are also really funny and really smart and they laugh at each other's jokes and they love each other and they you know they're fun in the ring and they look just, great they look like they're, they're having a blast they're wonderful they are they are having a blast yes they this really speak awesome. you know I mean you know the, the off use phrase they understand the assignment mm-hmm. they understand the assignment of what pro wrestling is maybe better than other any other pro wrestler and they're at, they're 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 better at it. Maybe uh, as far as women go, Bailey's incredible, and Sasha's incredible. Of course, but she is the world's greatest. My question to you: I'm happy we got to talk about. All right, <laughs> my question to you, and this is a wrestling question. So, uh, do you have a favorite wrestler of all time? I do, although he frustrates me mm. daily. But at this point, it's Chris Jericho. I knew okay. I knew who that was going to be when you said he frustrates really? you daily. Yeah. yeah. Why does what does he do that's so frustrating out of curiosity? Kenny, you want to take this one? <laughs> well, look, he's 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 basically wrestling. He's basically like a wrestling Joe Rogan in a way, right? Like oh, he okay. he has a podcast. He thinks he's very smart. He is very smart, but he's very aware of how smart he is. And I have no doubt that he has like anti-vax tendencies and I have no doubt that he like, you know, is like basically a libertarian and, but, and, and he, yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. So it's, it's these things that are like, you know, creeping up to this borderline of, of where like, you just don't even want to be associated with him. But he also has for the last 25 years, just constantly pushed the medium forward and done things that people haven't done before him. What is um, his what is his if you don't mind me saying bit? What is his thing? Like what is what is his thing? Well, his he constantly reinvents himself. So that's part of okay. what keeps him so fresh I see. after okay. all these years. Um right now his thing is kind of like not I like what he's o- doing now. Over the not quite over the hill yeah. rock star, but like definitely uh, every his challengers think he's over the hill rock star basically. And he has to set them straight. Yeah. He's he's pushing up against 50 at this point, which isn't crazy in wrestling. But like, yeah, 
you know, he's he's up against guys in their twenties all the time, and he holds his own. But yeah, he's look, he's Canadian, Phil. So that starts, you know, okay, a, a man after your heart to begin with. Okay, okay. and uh, but yeah, he's allowed he, to wrestle down here. Yeah, yeah, he was born him. in New York. Yes, he was. That's true. Okay, okay. He uh he he always kind of play. He he's always like he's he always kind of is like the you know the dad who's really into rock and roll and still is kind of cool it's kind of hard to pin it down he's almost like a cool wrestling phil dunphy (laughs) (laughs) the thing about him like reinventing himself at one point he got he made popular to the crowd went insane for him writing on a clipboard oh you would love this film yes i'm listening the the list of jericho Yeah, he would write the list of Jericho like uh, about people who like pissed him off if they did something, and it's like you like just Aria's made the list. list. And at first, he was doing it as yes, the most it is like Arya's list. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then you'd be like, "You're on the list," and people would go insane. They <laughs> loved it so much. It became just seeing him like pick up his pen and just do that movement, like about to click it. People would lose their minds. That's like his, that's his, a good bit. That's a good his, bit. His best shtick was his first thing. Was the first thing he did in America. Basically, that okay. got him big. There was a wrestler who is the most boring dude ever, named <laughs> Dean Malenko, uh, and his claim to fame is that he's like an incredible wrestler, right? So they called okay. him the man. They called him the man of a thousand holds, right? Okay, the man of a thousand holds. Right? Right. It's as boring as it sounds, <laughs> but, people, but people respected him, right? Uh-huh. Jericho would come out and he had his hair in a ponytail like this, his blonde hair and his rock music. And he would come out and he proclaimed he's better than Dean Malenko because he is the man of a thousand and four holds. And then he would, this was in the days of computer printouts. That would okay. be the pages. And he would uh-huh. come and unfurl these printouts and through the commercial break, read all of the holds that he had knows to prove that he's better than Dean Malenko. And like 80 of them were arm bar. Yeah. Like every third one, arm bar. Number two, arm drag. Number three, arm bar. And then they would go to commercial and he'd come back and be like, 74, arm bar. <laughs> so he really is. He's really wonderful That's in fantastic. his own way. And he's so frustrating. But I, yeah. Should we, I, uh, should we rate the other sister? Can yes, you? let's rate the other sister. And then so, uh, Latoya, and you then can we'll back talk about my, uh, my wrestling podcast. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I'm I don't curious have one yet, but I'm working on okay. it. Okay. Uh, so um, on this podcast, Latoya, we rate the films from zero to 99, zero being the lowest, 99 being the highest. I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. Uh, we rate it before this podcast, and then we rate it after the podcast. So to see if the podcast changed this number in any way. I, I'll go first. I really didn't know how to rate this movie. You texted me, Kenny, and you were just like, I think this film is is like outside our realm of the rating. Like, I, I don't know. I came into this podcast, I thought it was a 20. I mean, I, I think that's probably being generous. Uh, we then, obviously, we talked about it. Uh, and and I mean, I'm, I'm at like, I don't know, an 18, a 17. I don't know. It's 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 hard to to rate this movie because it feels as though it just doesn't, it's yeah. it's outside the realm of 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 what we do. <laughs> I went into like rewatching it tonight, thinking, I don't know if I'll be like upset, <laughs> but I'm going to like find it difficult to discuss because again, I don't want to get canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but then I got very upset, especially as I realized how long it was. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, at a certain point, I stopped pausing and I would just like go to the bathroom and leave, yeah. leave it going yeah. because I'm just like, For I sure. can't. I yeah. can't make this any longer than it has to be. Uh, what would you What would you give it from zero to ninety nine? Uh, if I give it like a fifteen, it's all for Sarah Paulson. By the way, I mean, I, if if I gave it a seventeen, and that's basically just for Sarah Paulson and for like you know the the Halloween costume scene, which is you know endearing in its own way, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like you know. Where are you, Kenny? It's like a, it's, it's, you could pull that out for the Twitter account, one perfect shot. And I think people yes. would be like, hmm, <laughs> I, maybe I should see this movie. Well, there's a bunch of I never saw this movie before. Yeah, I should pull the, pull the fill on them, right? Yep. I, never, I never saw this movie before, obviously. Uh, before this movie, I truly, not kidding, I truly like, like maybe two hours into the movie thought about giving it a one. Um, mm. I gave, Love Stinks, uh, a two. Uh, yes, Love Stinks is did. such a horrible, horrible movie. And I think this that movie broke you. Is yeah. that the lowest rated uh, movie you guys have done? Correct. We Love both. Stinks. Yeah, Love Stinks, we really yeah. hated that movie. This is not as bad as Love Stinks. And that's what I was working with near the end of it. I gave it a 10 before this. Okay. Which is real bad. Yeah. Um, okay. Super bad. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go down to an okay. eight. Okay. Um, I think it's I think it's important that this movie is is remembered as one of the worst movies of the year. I think I would have guessed it was one of the worst movies of the year. Oh yeah, but it is a truly truly terrible film. Um, it's a nightmare movie. It really is. Yeah, it just, really you watch is. it and you just feel like you're trapped. Yeah. I didn't rewatch the trailer <laughs> again. I feel like it's just all burned into my head. Like if I rewatch it like right now, I'm going to know every beat because it's just in my mind. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's, that's kind of terrifying. Like that it's just, it's seared into your brain. That's, yeah. I, that, I mean, that era, especially of trailers. And again, Touchstone Pictures presents. I can just, I can yeah. feel it. I can yeah. feel it in my bones. It's, it's a, it's, this is, it's going to be a tough movie to shake. I think that when, when we're, when we're done this podcast, Kenny, and, and we have, and we're able to look at all of these films, this is, this is a real, the difference between this and a love stinks, not that like we really need to validate either of these films, but like love stinks is a, you know, basically a straight to video, you know, French Stewart, you know, gross out comedy, right? Like it's, it's this movie. And it's what I've always said about this is us as well, Kenny, which is that this movie theoretically was potentially striving to say something or do something. And to fail this miserably makes it a much more, just a worse movie going experience. I wasn't expecting to like Love Stinks. I wasn't expecting to like this either, but this is just, this is a, this is a whole you other level. trick someone else into watching this movie. So I feel good about that. <laughs> this, uh, I, can, love, I, can, I can maybe do that. <laughs> love, love Stinks is, uh, I, I hear everything you're saying, Phil. Love Stinks, the expectation is it's going to be horrible yeah. and it is yeah. somehow so much worse. Yes. And because you don't expect it to be just so out and out offensive in yep. every way offensive to you know to to your sensibilities as a storyteller and offensive yep. as a moviegoer and then you know plain old offensive like um how misogynistic it is but uh this yes this movie is a problem this movie is a problem because it really you know wasn't treated as a problem yep. and that i think uh and it, even to this day people don't think much about it it's not you know 
it's not one of those one of those big hallmark like yeah we should have seen what we were doing and changed our ways it just kind of seen to as you yeah. said in the beginning two years later i am sam so yeah well it's i tweeted about watching this uh for the podcast and a couple people one person tweeted back to me and was like how is this a real movie like this was a real movie it's like this was a real movie that people that people gave lots of money to make but um so next week i'm i'm we're, we're covering we're doing the corruptor have you seen the corruptor Latoya, I have not seen the corruptor. I think I'm just going to rewatch this movie on a loop. <laughs> that is a sociological experiment. But the corruptor, <laughs> um, I'm curious as to your thoughts on uh, it's Mark Wahlberg and Chow Yun Fat, everyone's favorite duo. Oh man! <laughs> oh boy! But but I'm curious as to do you have Mark Wahlberg thoughts? Are are you are you a fan? Are you not a fan? They're complicated thoughts because <laughs> of the man that he is. He's a complicated guy. He would have stopped 9-11, though. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's what he would like he us would to have, do. Yes, yes. He would have, yes. He would have. Um, that I, that I, <laughs> you know what he would have done, I think? Mm. He would have. I think he would have stopped all four planes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have somehow figured out a way to stop all four. Yeah. Um, he would have communicated with them because that—that's yeah. the kind of hero he is. But uh, yes, cool. Wal- Wahlberg, Wahlberg, and Chow Yun Fat in this film. That yeah, um, it's like a it's a crime sort of. I don't know. It's a crime movie, kind of. I assume it's, so. It's, it's rom com. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the reason that I was curious is because I do feel like he's one of the more complicated movie stars that we have, right? Like he's a guy who's been through sort of his ups and downs and was kind of down and out for a little bit, but seems to keep kind of getting second, third chances from, from, you know, audiences. And I'm sort of curious as to, you know, have any of his movies worked for you or are you, or are you just thinking about how he could have saved us all from 9-11? Oh oh yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, It's complicated. I'm like looking at the corruptor now. I'm like, wow, they really let him be in a movie with all those Asian people. They did. Um, they really did. Yeah, that's why I was just like, yeah. I don't know if I, I need to see the corrupter. You, you you do not need to be corrupted. You're okay. I mean, but yeah, who doesn't love uh, the feature film Fear? You know, we love Fear. 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 Latoya, Le- you 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 will have to watch in order to understand our episode. So we, I figure you'll do that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's I don't true. know where it's I don't true. know where we where we got it. Probably to be. Maybe Fubo. It's definitely Tubi. It's uh, on one of these. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Tubi lately for this podcast. But really, it's, you know, look, yeah, uh, message in the bottles on Tubi, which we're doing soon. All right, but um, but yeah, look, The Corruptor's not the worst movie we've done. Um, no, it's a it's a movie. Close. It's not nearly the action movie you'd hope it would be, and yeah. uh, it's it's dark and it's brooding. And uh, Wahlberg's playing against type as a uh, cop from New York, so. Oh. It's yeah. you know, um, so, well, now I'm sold. And, uh, yeah. and <laughs> it's 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 trying to do a lot of like you know uh, departed kind of you know before the uh, departed before the departed, but like you know undercover cops and stabbing each other in the back and who's corrupt and who's not and I mean it's, it's who's who's the corrupter who is the corrupter and and truthfully I'm not sure that it ever really explains who the corrupter is. It's a fun episode. We have Tom Lorenzo. He's the best. Tom Lorenzo came on. He was great. Uh, uh, we always enjoy having Tom on. So it's, uh, it was, you know, but it's anyway. a flick. 
But look, Toya, this is many years in the making for me. I got to ask you about women's wrestling, a uh, passion of mine. And uh, we only had to watch the other sister to do it. Yeah, we'd love to have you back for something that you like more. We would absolutely love to have you back for something uh, better than this, Somehow which is anything. Be the other sister again. Yeah, it's, it's the gonna, other other sister. Yeah, the other other sister. The straight to DVD. Uh, if the other other sister. The other Bolin girl was like the same plot as the other <laughs> sister. Just a period piece. I've never seen the other Bolin girl. Is it not the same plot? I figured they were the same. Uh, the <laughs> others is also very similar to this too. The others, so yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Or the other guys with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Uh, so many movies yeah. with other in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, Latoya, thank you so much. Which, which you would find out if you started if you started like searching for the other sister on any of your streaming services. <laughs> it's like it's like the second page. Diane Keaton's a terrible mother in all of these movies. Yes, Oof. the other mother. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Latoya, for coming on and talking with us about this. I mean, truly, truly, I really didn't mean to catfish you, but we are so <laughs> thankful that we were able to find a soul that was willing to uh, to put themselves through this. So, every one of your future guests should be thanking me for <laughs> taking this bullet. That's how we should sign off every episode from now on, Kenny. And thank you to Latoya for, <laughs> for coming on to, for the other sister. <laughs> Uh, an absolute pleasure, and we really can't wait to have you back in the future. Uh, thank you, guys. This was fun. All right. At p- p- points. <laughs> yes, it was All great. Right. It was as good as it could be. Um, but it was going to be dark no matter what. Yep. Thank you so great much. Great to have you. you. Take care. Okay. Thank you so much. One last thing. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989. Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.